Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 29, Experience the Magic. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. How are you, Pete? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. We're two guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. So eventful weekend. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. Good time. Real good time. Good, good. My wife and I went to DC this weekend. So interesting going through the White House for the one-year-old. Not an experience I ever want to have again. I'd say we both had interesting weekends in vastly different manners. Very true. Very true. So this week on our podcast, we're going to discuss our top five experiences at Disney World. And these can be anything. Rides, attractions, I guess rides and attractions would pretty much be the same thing, right? Food, drinks, you know, you name it, shows, whatever you whatever you want. And so we're going to kind of go through there. And as usual, I'm sure we'll have some disagreements about uh, what's worth it and what's not. But before we do that, let's go to Tom with the news. What do we got this week, Tom? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, pretty good bit of news. We obviously missed missed last week. Uh, obviously, we have an issue with getting sick because uh, I was sick again last week. So we do have some news to catch up on and some pretty important news at that. But we will start with Epcot. American Adventure underwent a slight refurbishment. Essentially, all they did here they they improved from uh, film to digital, and the sound quality is much better. Uh, I have heard the projections look a lot better in there. Uh, and I think this one was something that, that Disney needed to do. This is not one of my favorite attractions at Disney World. It does not mean that people don't enjoy it each and every trip. And this was in, in need of refurbishment. So next time you're in Epcot, American Adventure, go ahead and check it out and, and see if you can tell the difference. Did you guys do the American Adventure we on did. your last trip? Yeah, we did. And it was we, – we had a, a crew with, I'd say, 75% of the folks wanted to go. So three to four, I was – indifferent on it but you know figured if this is what everybody wants to do why not it's our first day in epcot and uh, one of my buddies that joined us it was his only day being able to go and that was something that he and the rest of my crew wanted to do so we did it and it was pretty good moving over to the biggest news toy story land now has an opening date two surprises in my opinion one that it was june 30th i think pete and i had it predicted maybe to be in may uh, that last weekend in may and then the timing, I, I had no idea an announcement was coming. And all of a sudden, I saw something, shot Pete a text and said, hey, had you seen this? Uh, so with that does come some additional news. Looks like every day Magic Hours will come to Hollywood Studios in the summer. Obviously, they're going to do that. To, it'll be very similar to how Animal Kingdom approached the Pandora opening. Uh, they want to give folks enough time to get in the park, see it. Uh, so that is, that's big news. And Pixar Place will, is officially going away. Of course, all that will encompass Toy Story Land, so we won't need the Pixar Place name anymore. The height restrictions requirements have come out for the two attractions that will be held in Toy Story Land. Alien Swirling Saucers will have a 32-inch height requirement, and the Slinky Dog Dash will have a 38-inch height requirement. And for reference, that is the same requirement you'd have over there at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. So it, it, it was built to be family-friendly is what we're, we're seeing here. And I don't think there's any surprises here, you know, as far as height requirements. I guess my, my, my question is, 
do you think that Toy Story Land is going to have anywhere near the draw that Pandora did when it first opened? Hmm. It's a really good question. Maybe a different draw. Simply I mean, are these of, are these you know Hollywood Studio Extra Magic Hours really necessary? Well, I mean, you, I mean, I'm excited to see Toy Story Land. I guess because the attractions won't be nearly the hype that Flight of Passage is. It won't be as exciting to me. But growing up with the Toy Story franchise, you know, I can't wait to see what Disney does with this. But that's a good, I'd love to see numbers. You know, Animal Kingdom prior to Pandora had more to do than Hollywood Studios did prior to Toy Story Land being added. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think Animal Kingdom already had more going for it, which had a reason to draw people in. So that'd be that'd be interesting to watch. Now, here, here's one thing that's just not good news for Hollywood Studios. Toy Story Mania may be closed for at least a month in preparation for the opening of the new land. Uh, obviously, it's been announced that April 9th to May 7th, it will be standby only. So what that means, in my opinion and, and my estimation of how the construction of the ride works, is that FastPass line it probably runs on that third track. And that third track is going to be closed. Now there's a rumor that it may not it may not fully open again until June 30th, and if that happens, that'll be tough. Yeah, Hollywood Studios is going to be really difficult to to go to. You know the the funny thing about that it is kind of a kid gener- it's a kid friendly ride, of course, and it's a family attraction. But most people I know, all ages, really enjoy doing that attraction, and it's a must hit. I mean, it's it's a must fast pass for my group usually. And taking yet another fast pass opportunity away, I can only imagine how difficult it would be to get a rock and roller coaster, Tower of Terror, Star Tours, even now. Because that's it, right? That'd be the yeah. That, that's it. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes. So if you're if you're planning on a Disney trip or uh, you fall into that window of April 9th to May 7th for your trip, be aware that there will not be fast passes available. It'll be standby only at that time. Moving over to Animal Kingdom, there's some now there's some free animal tours at Animal Kingdom. They're about a 30-minute tour at a Rafiki's Planet Watch. It's first come, first serve, 16 guests per tour. They've get, they're given all throughout the day. And I think there's four different areas you can see. It's like the veterinarian hospital, the science center, animal nutrition, and in the invertebrate building invertebrae building. If you're into animals or thinking about being a veterinarian or really into the study of animal nutrition, any of that kind of stuff, I'd probably recommend doing this. I mean, 30 minutes is, say you have a fast pass coming up on the hour. You know what I mean? Go see if you can grab on a tour, just be one of the first 16 people there, and you're good. So another extra offering there right now at Animal Kingdom. Uh, Again, remember Flights of Wonder has closed, and they are still in the refurbishment phase of that. I know there was rumor back and forth that it would be a bird show, and then it wouldn't be a bird show. But the latest thing I've heard is that it is a confirmed bird show still, just with the theming from Up. So that's another thing going on at Animal Kingdom. A little bit of Disney Springs news. I know we don't spend a lot of time here, but but uh, if it's noteworthy, we will share it. A uh, little mismatched at Disney Springs will close February 25th. I didn't know a ton about this store. Uh, they have not announced what they're going to replace it with. I will say the one good thing, Disney Springs, they've been doing a lot of really positive things and they have great reviews of the new restaurants, the new theming. So I'm sure it'll be something good. I, I'm just not sure what at this point. And then the World of Disney, a store that I always stop at if I walk in Disney Springs, is partially closed with only a few rooms open. 
Uh, it seems to be a, a complete overhaul, really, of the entire iconic Disney store. So that'll be one that we'll continue to monitor. Moving along, let's see, a couple bits of uh, general news for you. Uh, again, don't spend a ton of time in what we call general news, but uh, it looks like parking prices will go up for both standard and preferred parking. This is just something you kind of have to expect. Standard, it will be moving from twenty uh, from twenty dollars to twenty two dollars, and preferred now forty to forty five. I think parking demand is probably going to be rising with the new portions of each park opening, and this is Disney's way to one get paid for it, and two, you will push some people back to taking that bus or taking the Uber. I mean, it just they only have so many parking spots, right? That's crazy, though. $45 for preferred parking. It is. It is. And, you know, if if you are driving to the park for whatever reason, outside of you being an annual pass holder, which you wouldn't have to deal with this, I suggest taking an Uber. If, if you're off property and you're driving in every day, just take an Uber. I mean, it's not yeah, going to be spend less than You're going to spend less than the $45 it would cost you for preferred parking, plus mm-hmm. they'll drop you off right at the gate. They drop I mean, you off right there at the gate. And that's that's the thing. And that is, of course, if you're... If you're wanting to go preferred parking, um, yeah. But even even if you don't, I mean, twenty two dollars. That's two Uber rides, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Depending on where you're going, and you're getting dropped off and picked up right there at the front. No wait. Don't have to deal with any of the lines getting in. Uh, another one: minivan pricing has increased. These these will probably go hand in hand, in my opinion. Um, it's gone from a flat rate of twenty to twenty five. If you look at a lot of the places they take you and the amount of people you can fit in that van, it's pretty fair pricing, honestly. I mean, you could, it's how many people will those hold? Like six they'll or hold, seven? They'll hold six. Six. I so really six. two Ubers. Yep. Which really, I mean, it's not that bad. No. Uh, so those were the bits of general news and resort-related news we had. Uh, we always try to share pricing that we find to be important or that could be impactful on your trip. Uh, so that does it for the news, unless there's anything, Pete, you want to hit. Man, I just want to say, I mean, Disney price increases are a fact of life. You know, there's something that we've kind of come to expect every year out of Disney, and they're not going to go away. The more Disney invests in these parks and the better Disney makes the parks, the more they're going to charge to get in there. So unfortunately, it's a it's a fact of life at this point. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. And we've hit on this in the in the past plenty of times, but we've still viewed Disney to be worth it. I'm sure Disney is still selling enough tickets and attendance is still in a good spot and they can continue to slowly increase pricing and increase pricing and they're beating the inflation percentage by just a little bit and people mm-hmm. are still paying to go. Mm-hmm. And, I think- and and yeah, attendance is up. I mean, if you look at attendance over the last couple of months, I mean, attendance is higher than it's ever been. You know, and, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago where kind of that seasonal pattern that we saw maybe going away a little bit. Disney's kind of been successful in spreading people out over the course of the year rather than have them come during those busy times. So a lot of those kind of secret times that may have existed in the past just don't anymore, unfortunately. Well, and and you talk about attendance going up. It's not going to slow down either. You know, you wait until Galaxy's Edge opens, Toy Story Land opens, you know, you, you look at 2020, 2021, when all these attractions are open, Magic Kingdom has Tron, Epcot has, um, oh gosh, the superheroes are 
Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and, of the Galaxy. and the Ratatouille ride. Yeah, the Ratatouille ride. You have a new restaurant coming to the Mission Space area. It's going to be very um, outer space themed. I mean, these are all big improvements that, that Disney's. A, a lot coming. You know, the Epcot revamp, a lot's coming, and it's expensive. It's got to be paid for. So, you know, <laughs> I hate to defend Disney gouging people, but unfortunately, it's a fact of life that in order to keep maintaining the parks and make the parks better, it's. It's the way it's got to be for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we'll head straight into our main topic for tonight. And Tom, I'm going to be really, really generous. I'm going to let you go first tonight. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know what's come over me, but again, we're going to talk about our top five experiences at, at Disney World. And these can be anything from any point in time in our lives. So and we'll just kind of go back and forth as per our usual so, Tom, number one. Like Pete's alluded to, these are experiences we've had at Disney. They can be anything. That's pretty much, we we left it wide open. And so all of mine kind of, some of them overlap. Some of them are completely separate to maybe one particular vacation I took. But one of the top five experiences I had at Disney was Spectro Magic. I still listen to the Spectro Magic music, and I know some people find it really annoying. I don't know why I don't. But there was something about me. Like when you're in Magic Kingdom and that that parade, like Electric Light Parade didn't do it for me. Like, like I love Spectro Magic. And I don't know if the, it was the age maybe I was at where everything was so real. And, you know, the lights, the floats, I mean, everything was like, I've never seen this before. So it's the most incredible thing ever. Uh, but Spectro Magic was always something on our trips that it was a staple. It was something we saw both nights in Magic Kingdom if we went for two nights. Uh, and it was... And it was just a, I, my, I can remember my family. I mean, it was just one of those experiences that you all will never forget uh, seeing at Disney World. Well, was that the first parade that you saw at, at Disney World? It was. I was. So that's the first parade I, I can, I probably ever saw outside of like, you know, Macy's Day Parade on TV. And I wonder if that has something to do with it because, you know, my my favorite, I guess, parade that I've seen at, at Disney World is the Electric Light Parade. And again, mm-hmm. it's it's because that was the first parade I saw both at Disneyland and at Disney World. So it, it brings back a lot of those memories. Yeah, and I that, like Spectre Magic. I got nothing against Spectre Magic, but... That that could be it. I don't, I don't know what did... And, and, I mean, Mickey has a prominent role in a lot of parades. Um, pretty much every parade at Magic Kingdom ever. Maybe if you go back and think about it. But I, and I, I, his float was awesome. <laughs> I just... I don't know. Spectro Magic did it for me, man. No, I, I'm on the same page there. I like Spectro Magic. Not my favorite, but I do like Spectro Magic. We should, uh, we for the end of the episode, we should put Spectro Magic music at the end instead of... Uh, See what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go with, with my first one. And and I, I'm i going to talk about Splash Mountain here, but in a little bit different context than I normally Shocker. do. Yeah, I know. We all know Splash Mountain is my favorite attraction, but you know, one of my one of my favorite experiences, one of the best experiences that I've ever had at Disney World. I took a trip with my family. I don't know, I was in ninth or tenth grade, something like that. And we went during Christmas time. And so we were in Magic Kingdom on Christmas Eve. And Splash this was I don't remember them doing, you know, the Mickey's very Merry Christmas party, anything like that. Because I feel like now, Christmas Eve, there'd be a Christmas party. But there must not have been at that point in time. Splash Mountain was closed, and it it reopened about two hours before the park closed for the night. 
And so my brothers and I saw that it had reopened. I guess we were on Big Thunder or something like that and ran over and and rode it. I kid you not, 10 times in a row. There was nobody else on the ride. We'd come back through and, and they'd literally say, you guys want to go again? And, and we would. So we rode it at least 10 times in a row. You know, we bought the ride picture to give to our parents as a Christmas present. And it's just a great experience. We'd, we'd kind of rotate spots and try to set up the perfect picture. So good, good times with the bros. You know, the funny thing about that, and I heard you reference, maybe we were on Big Thunder and noticed it reopened. So a couple points to that. If you know the parade loops, it'd be really it's almost it's impossible if you're on the opposite side basically to get back to Frontierland mm-hmm. at that point. But you didn't have the app like you do today. So there was a board in Main Street that you'd go to and it was a chalkboard and a cast member would basically get radioed in wait times like every 10 to 15 minutes and just update the minute wait and if it was closed they'd write closed. So anyone who would have seen that board wouldn't have been able to get to across Frontierland until the parade, if, if whatever was going on that night, right? If yep, no, you're so right. You, I didn't even think you, about that, but but I mean that was much were landlocked. Yeah, you were. I mean, and there were no. That is crazy to think about that. The board, there mm-hmm. was no app. You know, you well, could check wait times. There were paper so fast passes. You had to. So for the board, you had it was it was on Main Street. It was on. Right where you turn, is it Sunset Boulevard when you turn to go to Tower Terror? There was yeah. a board there. In Epcot, it was like near the big pin trading center. But there that was, was an electronic board. one, I think, wasn't it? That one it? was digital. Yep. Yeah. And then I don't remember what they had at Animal Kingdom. But anywho, that's just a funny Disney memory in ge- in light of your story. But hmm. however, I'm jealous because you don't get, you, you, you know, you get that at like the local fair, but you don't get that opportunity at Disney to just sit on the log and keep going. No, never. So, so that is a good experience. Awesome. Good experience. And that probably contributed to my love of Splash Mountain. Yeah, the, the cast members were great to let you guys just stay on there and keep keep going at it. All right, what you got next? So this one was something that was a lot more popular in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, probably, it was probably popular before that. I just know when I started doing it. This was Disney pin trading and collecting. And when I say I, this was like a staple of my childhood, I have like the little briefcase thing that you can unzip. And I've got hundreds of pins. I was obsessed with it. And so what we would do before trips, because, you know, Disney pins can get expensive in the parks. We would purchase, like, the lots of pins on eBay. You get, like, 40 for 30 bucks. And they were all just a variety of pins that weren't limited edition, weren't hard to find, just kind of cruddy Disney pins. But cast member could never refuse a trade to you unless it was a cast member-only pin. So basically, we would just constantly upgrade. So it was basically, it was like bartering. And it was pin for pin with cast members. And we would go on limited edition pin hunts. And uh, and Matt, also a big pin <laughs> pin collector, formerly on the podcast, still a member of the group, just don't know where he's at. Um, he got unbelievably good at being able to tell if it was limited edition. I, I would be embarrassed to tell everyone what I think my pin collection's worth because we put some serious effort, time, and money our parents' money at the time, into this uh, obsession we had. Uh, so pin trading was probably one of my, like, if you were to go consecutive years, it was like a eight to nine years straight, just a pin grind. So I never got into pin trading huge. I mean, is that still a thing? Yeah, so on my last my last three trips, because even when we went for the Mendu Disney trip, I've looked, and it doesn't seem to be as popular 
as it as it once was. So I can remember Epcot. You still see some on. cast members with them on, though. Now, now the cast members still wear the lanyards, and you do you do see but you, you saw it seemed like everybody with the lanyards back then. Mm-hmm. And at Epcot, right behind Spaceship Earth, they had the big pin trading center, and oftentimes you'd find like annual pass holders hanging out just with with people like me to look they could look through their books and see all the cool pins they've got and the collections. So. I don't think hmm. it's as big, and the pins are—I mean—they're flat out expensive now. You know, at one point you could get little four trading pins for twelve bucks. That same thing would be twenty-five now. I mean, it's—it's it's not as big as it once was, but man, you want to talk about an—it wasn't just a one-trip experience. I mean, that was even on my last trip. My mom packed tradable pins, and she was trading while I was riding Space Mountain twenty times in a row. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so my next one is kind of an experience that I think everybody has. Everybody really appreciates on their Disney trip. And and it's walking down Main Street, USA, you know, your first day at Magic Kingdom. I I try to make it be my first day at the parks, but if I can. But if not, first day at Magic Kingdom, you know, that walk down Main Street, you've got all the cast members, because obviously I'm getting there at Rope Drop, right? So you've got all the cast members standing outside the stores, you know, waving at you. You know, you've got the castle in front of you. Everything's been washed down. It's clean. It's sparkling. Hopefully, it's a pleasant day. It's just a great feeling. You know that, that that's one of those things. It's it's like it's um like you're not at Disney till you do it. Mm-hmm. I think because of, you can go like you can go to Hollywood Studios or Epcot, and it's just not the same. You know, walking into Epcot or walking into Animal Kingdom or walking into Hollywood Studios, it's just not the same as walking down Main Street. Well, I mean, people on the our listeners know my obsession with listening to Main Street music, just loop music they play throughout Main Street in the park. But walking down when it's like the it's like almost still dark. It's so early in the morning, <laughs> depending on what time of the year you go, and you, you you see the castle and you all the cast members, and it's just and it's a it's a multi sensory experience too, right? Because you get you get the sounds, you get the music, you get everybody mm-hmm. happy. You know, you get the smells. Obviously, they're piping in smells. So, I, I mean, mean it's, you get it is, everything. Right. And, and the only thing I can think that's really cool, too, is like when you have a um, like a breakfast reservation and it's before park open, maybe 30 minutes or so before, and you get to slide in a little bit early with your reservation. Yep. That also is cool because you do. And even to hit, I mean, even the one he said, you feel like you're in the park alone. I mean, people aren't on top of you. It's not like walking into Magic Kingdom at 11 a.m. for to use an example, or 2 p.m. or totally, to, it's a yeah, totally yeah. different experience then than feeling empty in this park, just cruising down Main Street, probably hustling and bustling to um, Seven Dwarves or Splash Mountain, whatever you're. <laughs> but it kind of feels like to. it's all there just for you, right? Yeah, it definitely does. So yeah, that's my, uh, and that may be my top experience. I don't know. You know, and, and so with that theme, kind of like first day for you, right? Because that's something you tried it on your first day if possible. I have just, I'm counting these all as one experience, but it's like my first time at Disney, first time with my significant other, and the Mendu Disney trip. All of them are t- were totally different paces. So like the first time, I'm five years old. You couldn't convince me that that wasn't Mickey Mouse. You couldn't convince me that this was not actually magic and you still can't really convince me of that. It is magic. <laughs> and I had never seen anything like it in my entire life. And that that I can still remember what the castle looked like because it was the 25th, um, 25th, 25th anniversary of Disney's opening. Mm-hmm. 
the castle was a big 25th birthday cake. So that trip alone started my love for Disney. Next one that really, and I do not discount anything in between. Every other trip's been great. But the first time I went with a significant other, uh, that was, we were only there a couple days. But it was a different pace. It was just a cool trip. You know, it was, uh, she she's a huge Disney fan prior to me. And so she was teaching me things that I didn't know. And I was kind of teaching her stuff about Disney. And so that was awesome. And then the Men Do Disney trip, which I might would have to say is responsible for where we're sitting today. Prior to planning that trip, there was no discussion of a, of a podcast. We just we, we knew we both liked Disney, chatted about it occasionally. But then when we planned the trip kind of out of the blue with some of our buddies, we were talking about this so much, it's like, hey, we should do a podcast. <laughs> and so that trip won for the shenanigans that happened on the trip. You know, we had a blast. But now, I mean, it also created, you know, uh, an idea for a podcast where we get to share our knowledge and passion for Disney with all of you guys who listen. So those are that's my number. If we're not number number, that's my third. Just my the first of Disney World. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you you talked about that because I, I think we've mentioned it in the past. Every trip and every group you go to Disney with is different. Whether it is with a significant other, whether it's with a bunch of buddies, whether it's with your kids, you know, every trip is a different experience, and that kind of speaks to what Disney is and and what it can be. So my next favorite experience, and I think I'm probably stealing a little bit of your thunder here because I know how much you like this, is Fantasmic. I can't think of a better show at, at Disney World. I know at this point in time it's a little dated. You know, they've made some changes over the years to try to combat that, but it's it's still a little dated. How long's Fantasmic been around now? Twenty years? I think ninety seven, maybe. Let me check. Yeah, so so close to twenty years. But it's still a great show. It it it's kind of celebrates everything that I love about Disney. You know, the, everything is there. The music, kind of the magic. You know, Mickey vanishes and reappears with sparks. He shoots sparks. You know, you can't you can't compete with that. So for me, Fantasmic, and I've I've seen it with many people. I've tried to see it every trip that I've gone to Disney World. I can't say that there's a single person that I've brought to Fantasmic that hasn't absolutely loved it so i was one year off on the date it was 98 at uh, at disney world so this is the 20th yep and it was uh 92 it was 92 at disneyland Disneyland. i mean yeah it it is without a doubt a must do for me And, and you'll hear different opinions you'll read different things if you know if you're listening to our disney podcast i'm sure you've listened to others and there are opinions that vary both ways on Fantasmic and what it is today, what it should be, what people want it to be. I try not to get totally caught up with that aspect of it because I do love the show itself. I think it embodies everything a Disney show should embody. I constantly find something new that I haven't seen. I mean, for, for example, on our, my last trip, I told Pete, hey, it wasn't the greatest show. There were some mistakes, and that's kind of funny for me to catch too because Disney's always seems to be so perfect. But... You look around and it's every, there's not a kid in there who's not amazed with it. And Disney is for everyone to become a kid again. And it's a, it's a, it's a place that's genuinely built for families. And so I agree with hundred percent with you there, Pete. Fantasmic incorporates all of that. You know, it incorporates everybody's favorite Disney movies. It incorporates everybody's favorite Disney characters. 
you know, there's kind of that good versus evil battle that takes place. There's mm-hmm. pyrotechnics, there's fireworks. So it's it's just got a little bit of something for everybody. Well, a great point and something Disney and characters. I mean, that's something that huge part of what Disney World is. And to be able to see Steamboat Willie, you see Beauty and the Beast, you see Snow White and her prince, you see Pocahontas. I mean, you see everybody. Mm-hmm. There's a ton, I mean, not everybody, but a ton of Disney characters. Maleficent, very difficult one to see. They do have clips and music from a lot of the huge Disney hits and movies over the years. So I we, we, we pump Fantasmic up like every third podcast. So I know you guys know that we're huge fans of this. Moving over, I guess I'll hit my next favorite experience at Disney. And this one's going to sound kind of stupid because you can actually do it without having a park ticket. So it's it's one of those like, I, I can I can give you an example. On our last trip, a family was doing this, but the monorail, specifically the Magic Kingdom loop of the monorail. Um, this is something you can... You can go to, to Disney Springs. I'm going to sit downtown Disney. You can go to Disney Springs, hop on a bus to one of the three Magic Kingdom resorts, hop on the monorail, and you can ride it all night if you wanted to. <laughs> um, it's cool to me because it is kind of a futuristic way of traveling. You do still get a lot of the wow faces on it because the sights, sounds, and views are great. But something that we did when I was a child, and I think I forgot about it, and we, we began doing it again this last trip, is actually exploring those three resorts. Most people can't swing a trip and stay stay in it. You know, a vast majority of people can't go to the Polynesian Contemporary or the Grand Floridian. I don't think either of us have ever stayed at any of those resorts. Correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, but... Nope. To go there, walk around, see what it's like, uh, specifically for our last trip, see all the Christmas decorations, it's kind of cool. And we sat at Polynesian and we went, grabbed a drink outside and kind of had the... Hawaiian feel. We had the Hawaiian tasting drinks. Got to see everything about every every resort, and it's something that people in our party had done multiple times, and they were still finding new things. So, I think if if you want to do something that's maybe you're there a day early and you want to get a little bit of that Disney magic, hop on the monorail, and and it's it's a really neat experience, especially if you've never been on it. Yeah, I agree. the The monorails kind of adds to that Disney magic. And, you know, one of the trips, and I can't remember if it was, it, it was with, it was with my wife. We went and the monorail was closed. So we had to take the ferry bus from the Ticket and Transportation Center to the Magic Kingdom. And that just, I don't know, that kind of ruined my experience for me. Because part of that Disney Magic Kingdom feeling that I like is taking the monorail in to the park. I don't know, that's just, that, that just really adds to the magic for me. So it's disappointing when I don't get to do that, but the monorail's getting old. It's falling apart. There's kind of some question on what its fate is ultimately going to be, but I think it is an es- kind of an essential part of, of that Disney magic. I think you're right. And being able to stay at one of those resorts on the monorail loop is makes a great vacation. You know, I'll tell you something funny, and this probably sticks out to me for the monorail. They don't do it anymore, unfortunately, just with the craziness of our country. Uh, but you used to be able to ride up front with the driver of the monorail. And if you if you pay attention, you'll see there's, it's like a little row of, it can fit, we did four people in it most of the time. Uh, we didn't, maybe five one trip, but it, it, it was really cool as a kid 
Because have you ever been like on a flight and the the pilot gives you like your junior wings, so like your little pilot wings or whatever? The monorail would do something really similar that they would give kids, and all you had to do was free. You just ask the guy, hey, you ask the, the people um, letting you know controlling the gates to let you in and out of the monorail. Hey, we uh, family whatever would love to hop in the front and, and ride wherever the pilot is and or the driver and. As long as there was nobody up there, Disney had no issue doing it. Now, that's something they have discontinued, to my knowledge. But that was another thing that made the monorail like a must-do for us. It was like, how many times can we ride up there with the uh, with the driver? Mm-hmm. Didn't wasn't there a pin too, or was it just a? They gave you like a little monorail. It wasn't like a Disney trading pin, but it was like a pin that sh- like showed you rode or conducted or drove the monorail. So that's it. That's the monorail for me. My next experience is something that is not around at Disney World anymore. I think it went away a year or two ago, and that is swimming with the sharks at Typhoon Lagoon. I can remember doing this when I was 11 or 12 years old. I I don't think that I'd be able to do it now. One, because I don't ever go to the water parks at Disney World. Two, because the only way that I was able to get myself to do this was that we were swimming with a cast member, like holding on to her little buoy or whatever. So I didn't have to really worry about sharks coming close or anything like that. My parents did it with me and they were both uh, not not fans of having to actually swim while they snorkeled. But we were kind of getting towed along by a cast member. But I don't know. This just stands out to me as a really neat experience. And this is something that, I mean, yeah, I guess you could go snorkeling anywhere. But at a theme park, it just, I don't know, it seemed kind of cool and it really set Disney apart for me. You can probably see me shaking my head. This closed in like 2016, I think. So you're pretty close on your... your yeah. And it closed for a new attraction or something coming to Typhoon Lagoon. But um, Well, the one that just opened, Miss Misadventure Falls or Miss Misfortune Falls or whatever it's called. It's, anyway. it's sad how little how long it's been since I've been to the water parks, to be quite frank with everyone. This was, uh, this was around and my brother was kind of a thrill junkie. Sharks didn't bother him. I think someone told us, and honestly, I think it was like a cast member. Maybe they told it to get me in the water, but hey, there's glass between you and the sharks. That's a rumor that I have never been able to prove one way or the other, but they got me in the water. Now, one, keep in mind, this Disney's very, very cognizant of their treatment of their animals. So the water is really cold because that's what these, these, um, the marine life needed. Mm -hmm. So, I am, to this day, absolutely terrified of sharks. But we hop in there. I'm probably, I don't know, six or seven years old. Very similar to Pete when he did it. I had a cast member escorting me. My mom is ahead of me. She went first. And the idea was my brother would be behind me. So I'm good, closest, and there's a cast member with me. We're swimming with these sharks, and I remember being terrified, but I also remember seen a fish I wanted to look at. And so I put my head pretty deep under the water. So at this point, already scared, cold, mouthful of salt water. <laughs> you dipped your snorkel tip under? I did. And I, and, I, and I go to pull my head out. And one of the rules, their number one rule is keep swimming, do not stop, do not stand up, because they don't want you to ruin any of the, the reef. So then the cast member kind of does her best to like get me to my mom. Well, my mom hears a cry come out through the water and she knows that's my son. So she tries to turn around also against the rules. So needless to say, our family made a a decently large scene 
because I was chugging salt water, terrified of the sharks, freezing cold. Long story short, this would not be one of my top five experiences. <laughs> now, was it probably funny for everyone else there? I'm sure everyone else got a real kick out of this kid in the middle, just stone cold frozen, and the cast member had to escort me out of the shark tank. <laughs> so so not uh, not your favorite experience. No, not at all. Did it that one time, never did it again. I didn't have that experience. I thought it was really cool to swim with sharks. Yeah, so. I think everyone else loved it. I mean, I was seeing kids about my age go, and I'm like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. Well, and I, I mean, I, this was a long time ago for me, so I don't really remember. But I remember the reef, like the area you were swimming in, being pretty deep. And the yeah. sharks being pretty far down on the bottom. Really far away. You were absolutely right. So, like, how would you have stood up? Well, I didn't stand up. Like, I went per- I went vertical. I went perpendicular. So, oh, my okay. flippers were at the bottom. And I wasn't near touching the reef, but I'm sure if it was a... I don't remember how deep it was, but I'm sure six foot either. three guy with, you know, two foot flippers. I mean, he may be able to get to it. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I wasn't standing flat. When I say I stood up, I mean, I just raised my body up and was just swimming, doggy paddling kind of. Because you remember gotcha. you, you floated across the top of the water is how they wanted mm-hmm. you to go. Mm-hmm. So I was in no it, real danger, to be it honest. Will be, it will be missed. Yeah. By it, some. By some. By some. Well, my last, well, I guess we have an honorable mention I think we talked about too, but my, my last... One of the last experiences I'm going to hit here, and this one may also, you know, you, you kind of felt like you trumped the phantasmic thing, so maybe I'm trumping one of yours. First time drinking around the world, and we don't. No, no we were, I was I was going to talk about this too, actually, next. So Okay, well, one, we, we don't make, this podcast is a family-friendly podcast. I, I'm not going to go into great detail, but the first time that I accomplished this feat, uh, it was a blast. It was it's the Mindy Disney right? trip. It's we 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 kind of took our time. We did a lot of attractions, ate a lot of great food, did complete one drink at each country, and maybe an extra drink at a couple of the countries. I don't remember, but uh, it was really fun. You know, the, the weather was great that day. Uh, we had a couple. It was our first day at, at Disney World for that trip. We had a couple of guys who had uh, never done it, never been. We had th- three of us. Seventy five percent of the group had never done it, and uh, two so of us hadn't been to Disney in. 15 years. 15 plus years, yeah. So mm-hmm. it was um, it was awesome. Highly recommend it if you can do it the smart way. Make sure you eat food, drink a lot of water. But it is, it is cool to get a different taste of a drink from each country. Well, when I say taste, a drink from each country. Uh, and and I, we just, I mean, we had an absolute blast. We definitely did. And we took our time. And, and my f- first time doing it was with Matt, who is sadly no longer with us on the podcast, but we went for a, the villain special event at Hollywood Studios and, and did Epcot the day that same day. And same thing, you know, had a blast with him, had a blast on the Mendu Disney trip. The key to doing it is, like you said, to take it slow, eat a lot, drink plenty of water, depending on when you're doing it. If it's in the summertime and it's 90 or 100 degrees outside, you need to drink a lot more water than, uh, than you think you do. But yeah. It's and definitely then, it's definitely a fun fun thing to do, you know. Uh, and it, it doesn't have to be drinking around the world. You could snack around the world. You could have a non-alcoholic beverage at each country around the world. But just you know, going around Epcot, going around World Showcase, and you know, kind of proving, hey, I was here in this country, and and you know, making your mark that way. I guess. Well, I'll tell you uh, one. I was going to ask, didn't you and your your wife do a version of it? We did, and. And I've done it. I did it with my fiance, and she, of course, has zero interest in drinking at every country around the world. 
for the sim- as simple as the fact that some countries don't have anything she has any care to drink in the world. You know what I mean? Just not mm-hmm. her not her deal. And so she did drink or eat around the world. So maybe there was a snack she wanted or maybe, you know, France, for example, is one of her favorite places to get a snack. And so to Pete's point, I mean, I think anything themed around the world where you're not just where you're not just wandering to say you went. Grab something to eat and walk around and enjoy it. Grab something to drink and enjoy the atmosphere. Enjoy the uniqueness to each pavilion. Watch a show. I mean, watch a show. Talk, I mean, talk to the cast members. It's the World Showcase itself is a experience and a half for everyone. Uh, if you have kids, they do have specific events for those kids uh, or for your kids. It's something I used to do growing up. That's how that's how my parents got me to go around the world because it's a long, it's a, it's a, it's a chunk of your day too. It but, is, and it's not it's not super kid friendly. I mean, there are kid friendly experiences kid yep. there, and they have some attractions, and and the shows are all kid friendly. I, I don't know if drinking around the world is becoming more popular, or I'm just becoming more observant to it. You see a I lot like, more people doing it now. I than feel you like ever now did. with like the shirts, and you see you just see people doing it, and it's, if you participate in it, you'll bump into the very similar people at you know all the stops, pretty much. And I and I never noticed that either until. After Matt and I did it, I started noticing more people doing it. Well, once y'all did it, you know, our group of, of friends were like, next time we're going, we're going to, I mean, it was, we were ready to, ready to take on the challenge. And so, uh, if, if you do enjoy an alcoholic beverage or two, or you do enjoy trying new foods, new drinks, right up your alley, and it'll probably be one of your top five experiences as well. So, a couple of honorable mentions, things that didn't, didn't make the cut. So, for me, <laughs> it was on the Mendu Disney trip. And I think I've talked about her before, but we were riding from, where were we going? We were going from Hollywood Studios yep. to the boardwalk. Yep. And we were, we took the boat and we were on the boat with this boat driver that was making these just amazing turns and parking, parking her boat in places that I didn't think there was any way she could get into. And she heard us applauding her. And and we weren't ba- like over the top talking. We were just talking at normal volumes. Yeah, oh yeah. And we oh, were just yeah. admiring, one, how impressive this was. And I guess and, she and then, heard and then two, we were And then two, we were kind of making fun of you and, and telling you that you could not, certainly could not pull the same moves off that she was doing. And to, while that is funny is because I, I deemed myself as the boat expert many years ago uh, at, a, at a lake. And I'm the boat driver. And when any of us get together and go to the lake, I always dock the boat. I do everything with the boat. And so they were telling me that I didn't even belong on the same boat as this lady. You didn't come close. And then she called you out on it. She said, no, you, you can't drive a boat as well as I can. She Not only did she call me out, she didn't just come up to like our bench where we were sitting. She talked through her mic. Through her, <laughs> she um, talked through the microphone. She talked to the whole the boat. speaker system. So the whole <laughs> boat heard it and was asking me questions about boats and the boat specifically that she was driving. And when I didn't know the answer, she's like, oh, look at this guy. Doesn't know the answer. And then she told me <laughs> the reason that she knows she's a better boat driver than I am is because Disney only hires the best of the best. And I clearly didn't work at Disney. <laughs> and so, of course, this is not bashing her at all. We had a blast with her. So I don't want no, someone to listen did. to this and think. We did. She knew that she, you know, she was playing to the crowd on the boat and playing to our reactions. And she knew that a little trash talk back and forth was friendly between her and between us. So. We had she was an excellent blast. boat driver. Can't, and, and, I mean, and yeah, and to be quite frank, I mean, we told her that. We, we, we actually loudly applauded. 
Like every time she docked. Every single time she docked. Because it, it wasn't how, where the boat could fit. It was the manner, like, they would say, Tom, how would you dock this? And I would explain what I would be thinking. And she just did it the most difficult way every time to perfection. I, I thought it was funny. It probably wouldn't have been my, my top five experience. But <laughs> it's a great experience. For the three guys that were, them them four versus me, basically, the three guys and her. Uh, arguing on, or, or uh, picking fun basically at each other. That was pretty funny. And the funniest thing about my next honorable mention, it came within 30 minutes of Pete's that he just shared. Mine is after we got off the boat at the boardwalk. Keep in mind, you ever heard of the um, like the Disney freakouts or the Disney disasters? Oh, God, it's like when the it's like when your day just you'll you'll see it. You'll be looking around Disney and. Yeah, but most of the time it's like a nine-year-old having yeah. a meltdown. It's like Disney meltdowns, and you see, it's it's just a kid needs a nap, kids just worn out. Well, we had a, a big kid that was, we had four big kids that were all worn out, <laughs> exhausted. So the, we get off the boat, we go to the boardwalk, and we're actually at the ESPN zone for we're getting like a souvenir for somebody's dad. But it was also the World Series. The it was either the World Series or the the NLCS or something like that. I know well, the Cubs well, were playing. The Cubs were playing. Yeah. And 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 if you guys And it was a Saturday night. Living and, living in the US, you know that everybody's now all of a sudden a Cubs fan. And waiting outside to get this souvenir from the ESPN zone and go back to Coronado Springs. Correct? That's all we were doing. We were gonna yeah, well, we didn't know if we were gonna go in there and, and have a drink or if we were gonna eat something or we just we thought we were going to get a get a souvenir. But well, it ended up turning into more than that. The line was so long. And it wasn't moving because people were staying to watch the game. The game had just started, yep. And so we stay in this line for about 40 minutes. And we finally, people, we're so tired that we're like taking turns holding the spot in line. And everybody else is going to sit on the bench. And I don't know why we didn't just go somewhere else. Because we had to get in the ESPN's end zone. And so, long story short, we... I get we get out of line. We call it a night. I've ordered an Uber for us. Pete decides at this juncture to tell us he has to go to the bathroom. I'm like, all right, cool, off. I had to go to the bathroom. He couldn't find the bathroom, and so there he were starts no bathrooms. Out. So when he starts freaking out, I start blaming the other guy while we're even there, and while we're in this position, and I just want to go. <laughs> and the other one of our other guys wants to stay and go to another bar there with a cover and which, which had a cover, yeah. And so it turned it's into four a mess. Of us all having different ideas of what was going to do. But it, once we got to the hotel and, like, you know, changed and settled down for a minute, we we had a blast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we ended up laughing the entire thing off. and uh, At the poolside bar at the Coronado. At the poolside bar at the Coronado. So I think we all just needed a drink. I, I guess that's <laughs> what we needed. But, yeah, that was a really funny experience. If I wish I could have been like an, an outsider watching four guys in like that grass field at the boardwalk, just arguing. <laughs> Cause one of them had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yep. That's basically what started it all. Oh, that is too funny. Yep. Well, good stuff. Well, I think that's it. We'd, uh, again, as always, we'd, we'd love to hear from you guys and what your favorite Disney experiences are. You can tweet us, you can email us you can reach out to us and let us know, let us know if, you agree, disagree, or if you've got something completely off the wall, completely different. So with that, uh, let's go to the secret and the trivia question. What do we got this week? Yeah, secret uh, secret of the week. Short one. Thought it was really interesting. It's something I actually did not know. But uh, secret of the week, did you know that Disney World, uh, obviously it's full of 
numerous colors, sights, and uh, things to see. But did you know there are more than 20,000 different colors of paint used throughout Walt Disney World? That's really? nuts. That is nuts. Yeah, more than 20,000. Think about that. I, I, I had to like really sit there and think. I don't even know if I know nine colors. <laughs> but there's 20,000. Can you count to nine? Some days. Some days. <laughs> Still getting over the, the bachelor party weekend right now. Um, but moving on to the trivia uh, going to hit the trivia question and answer from two weeks ago, rather. Uh, again, sorry for the uh, break in the week there, but this was a trivia question that Pete, I believe, gave us, or gave me, and I shared with you guys. It was, what was the first movie filmed at Walt Disney World? I did not know the answer. We I, Once we got off air, I guessed, and it was actually Ernest Saves Christmas. As always, thank you for everyone who participated. Uh, so keep sending those emails in each week. Uh, and with that, I'm going to give you the new trivia question and the contact information for us. In light of Valentine's Day, I came across this uh, trivia question or fun fact and thought it would be a fun trivia question. What Disney World attraction celebrates Valentine's Day every single day that it's open and running? So what Walt Disney World attraction celebrates Valentine's Day each and every day that it is open and running? So think about that. I know we're a few days late here on, on Valentine's Day, but decent theming. To send that answer in, you can tweet us at podcast or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. Look forward to seeing all the responses. All right, very good. Well, that's all we have this week, so please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on Twitter at podcast. If you have any suggestions, please tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.